Pizza City is brought to you by Fontanini brand sausages, pepperoni, and meatballs. Hey, Tony, what's up? Hey, Mr. Pizza Guy. I got me some of that Fontanini you told me about. Good stuff. What'd you try? First, I went to Fontanini.com slash Pizza City, just like you said, and scored a free sample. Then I tried that Italian sausage with the fennel and some meatballs, too. Reminds me of my Nana's cooking. Her Sunday gravy? Oh, boy. Yeah, those meatballs are great. I love the texture. You can crumble them up onto a pie like I did, or just eat them whole with marinara and pasta. The specialty sausage also, great with the fennel. Recipes are rooted in Luca, Italy, made famous in Chicago. They use whole muscle cuts, resulting in really great texture. They also produce in smaller batches using freshly ground spices. I think I'm going to start messing around with a meatball pie myself. Just meatballs and mozz? Who do you think I am with giardinera, you stuna? Whether you're interested in Fontanini sliced sausage, raw bulk sausage like we use in Chicago, meatballs, shaved pepperoni, or anything from their product lineup, our listeners can get a free sample at fontanini.com slash pizza city or go to at Fontanini brand on Instagram and click the link in the bio to let them know you heard about it from Pizza City. Don't get me wrong, the pizzerias in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, all the five boroughs, everybody has great pizza. You know, everybody has great pizza, but if you under the impression that you're not going to find a good regular slice or a good Sicilian slice or a good specialty slice on Long Island, you're wrong. When people talk about New York-style pizza, they tend to think of the five boroughs, and they also tend to think of slices, either rectangular Sicilians or triangular wedges cut from 18-inch pies. But don't forget about Long Island, towns like Elmont and New Hyde Park in particular. On our last show, we talked about Umberto's, where they claim the grandma style was officially given its name. But any discussion of grandma style in Long Island has to also include the slightly younger King Umberto, which eventually broke away from its founder. Coming up on today's show, part two of the Umberto story as we sit down with the owner, who is tasked with continuing the tradition in Elmont, but also moving it into new territory, especially when it comes to Roman-style pizza. The Long Island pizza scene is hot, and it's all straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to another edition of Pizza City, everybody. Great to have you along with us. We are staying in on Long Island this week. Um, only really my second trip to the island because typically when I get to New York, I, I jump in a cab, I, I get on a train, I go into the city. This was the, the first time I actually rented a car. Uh, last time I did this trip, I went with Paul E.G. He picked me up and we drove out to uh, Williston Park and went to Gino's for a fantastic Sicilian. Highly recommend. This time, uh, solo trip. Got in the rental car. Uh, it was about two weeks ago, actually. And it started a little bit rough, to be honest with you. I, I got in the car at LaGuardia, drove 40 minutes to Umberto's. Uh, where despite our appointment, the GM blew me off, then parked me at a table where the owner was still having lunch uh, somewhere else, and finally brought him over about 45 minutes late. Then I drive a mile and a half to King Umberto, where Giovanni Cesarano was still out on an errand, checking out an oven, um, 
it, and I don't blame him because I get it. I know how it goes. He was completely apologetic. Couldn't have been nicer about it. Uh, and I'm glad it worked out because we did uh, what they tell you not to do in journalism, which is bury the lead. Now, I was there to talk grandma style and to some extent regular slices in Sicilian, but I didn't even know the headline at King Umberto, which should have been the Roman al Metro. It is a thing of beauty and one of the best pizzas I've had all year. It comes up near the end of our interview today, so please stick around to listen. But I'm going to post pictures on our Instagram so you can see for yourself. Now, according to Scott Wiener of Scott's Pizza Tours and the Grand Poobah of New York Pizza, Angelo Giangrande worked at Umberto's and allegedly made thin square pizzas there in the late 1980s. And when he eventually went to work at King Umberto... He started using the name Grandma Pizza because he entered it into a distributor competition in the early 90s. Scott says it's all a moot point because there were pizzerias making this style of pizza, which is essentially a thin crust rectangular or Sicilian, long before Umberto's was even open. They just never called it Grandma. They call it thin crust Sicilian. So the question is how important that name is. And, Scott asks, is the concept of invention also irrelevant because this was the pizza made in homes anyway, so none of these pizzas actually invented it? All that said, I sat down in a booth with Giovanni, and we began by talking about his earliest pizza memory on Long Island. My first pizza memory was uh, I went to a bakery to buy bread with my mom as a kid. And I'm not sure if bakeries still even do this. On Sunday, it was a Sunday, and on Sunday this bakery, I guess whatever dough they may have left over, they were making like round focaccia style pizzas. And um, I was a kid and the, the guy who was working, the gentleman who was working behind the counter was nice enough to cut me up a slice. And I mean, I, I used to beg my mom to go back to that bakery every Sunday just so I could get a slice of pizza with her, you know? And where was this? Um, it was actually right down the block from King Umberto on Meacham Avenue. I'm not sure. I, f I think the name of the bakery was Federa's. And so would this have been like a Sicilian, a New York slice, a focaccia, like a bakery slice, like a, a rectangular but kind of soft? It wasn't. It was uh, It was soft. It was more of a focaccia, but it was round. It wasn't square. Interesting. Okay. So how did you get into the pizza business? My father, um, you know, it was like any other teenager. My parents wanted me to find a part-time job because I was eating all the food in the refrigerator. So my dad had already been a co-owner over here at King Umberto's, and it just seemed like a good fit for me to, you know, my first job be over here. So I started working on the coat room when I was 15 years old. From the coat room, it was like busting tables. Um, I really wasn't good at busting tables. I really didn't like it. You know, I was working on the weekends. All my friends were going out, and... You know, I felt like I was missing out on a lot of stuff. So, and then eventually, you know, to give me that little bit more of a leeway uh, as a part-time job, my dad moved me to the pizza counter. So uh, it was a little bit more schedule friendly for me so I could have a social life and as any teenage kid would want a social life and uh, still be able to work. And that's, that's how I became a part of this uh, King Umberto's. So explain the difference between King Umberto's and Umberto's. I just came from Umberto's, talked to Umberto. Mm -hmm. He said everybody worked for him. He trained everybody. Mm -hmm. They made the grandma famous. How was King Umberto connected or not connected to Umberto's? It was connected. Um, Umberto, you know, was like the family tree of pizzerias in Long Island. Um, so in 1976, he was the owner of this pizzeria. Um, for whatever reason, he decided to sell it to one of my partners who's still around, Rosario Fischetto, 
and his brother Sal Fischetto. And ever since then, it hasn't been affiliated with Umberto's. Basically, he was the original owner. Um, people that worked for him did work throughout the years here, but I think that's similar, same goes for any pizzeria in any borough or any city, like you're going to share pizza people, you know, it's, a, it's it's very difficult to find good workers. It's like, I think it's become more of a limited skill. So, And as what happens, typically people will take what they learn somewhere and they'll tweak it a little bit. I noticed, and I've had the advantage now of tasting both grandmas half an hour apart, they're not exactly the same. Not at all. Um, not at all. And, you know, every everybody has their own variation of the story of how it was created and who named it first and so on and so forth. Ours is a little bit more thinner. And By the way, it was Angelo Giangrande, wasn't it? Yes. He was, the, he was the one that bridged the gap between Umberto and King Umberto. The concept behind it, I always say that, um, I always try to use the analogy of rock and roll music. Like everybody says Elvis is the king of rock and roll, and so on and so forth. But even though before Elvis, there was many musicians who were making rock and roll music, but it wasn't as popular. So even before Umberto and King Umberto was making grandma pizza, there was people doing this in their homes. It, nobody created or invented this. It's very hard to say, oh, I'm the man who did this, who did that. But the King Umberto and Umberto family are definitely the ones that popularized the, the uh, style of pizza of the grandma pizza. Because you would have just called it a thin Sicilian, right? At that point, yeah. I mean, or people say, oh, this is the dough that my grandma used to make in the house. You know, everybody has their own. It, I think it's not important as important as who made it first. I think it's you know as much as how much care and love you put into the product and trying to make it the best you possibly can. Whether you make it thick or thin, use fresh mozzarella, shredded mozzarella, a California tomato, or an Italian tomato. I think the important thing is if your customers keep coming back and buying the pizza and you 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 know you like the product, I think that's what should matter the most. All right, we're going to talk in the next segment about the, some of the specifics that you're getting into. So hang on that thought for a second. Um, I want to talk more about Long Island and the pizza scene out here. First time I've ever had pizza, actually. On, no, second time. Um, underrated. Uh, very, under, very underrated. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, yeah. there is a scene out here, but it doesn't get a lot of love because it's not, like, in the heart of the city. Correct. I mean, my, my, a lot of people who used to live in the five boroughs, or the Italians migrated from Italy, and then they went to the city. If someone wanted uh, a bigger house, all the Italians that were in Brooklyn, that were in Manhattan, Harlem, Queens, they all wanted to move to Long Island because of the, you know, you get a bigger property, you actually have a backyard, you're not, you know, your house is not connected to somebody else's house. You can roast a pig, bury a lamb, anything like that. <laughs> all that stuff. Make a long story short, the same Italians that were in the cities who get credited for, you know, making such delicious pizza in Brooklyn and in the five boroughs, those Italians are now in Long Island. So whatever they were doing in the city, they're doing on Long Island too. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe because of the nostalgia, people say, oh, Long Island pizza, you know, it doesn't count as New York pizza. Or it's not as good as Brooklyn. It's not as good as Manhattan. Growing up here, I mean, just you just went to probably, I think, two landmarks on Long Island, Umberto's and King Umberto's, and that's only in a mile and a half radius. Imagine if you went over Long Island, what you would find. I think there's amazing places all over. And last time I was here, pre-pandemic, Paul E.G. took me to Gino's in Williston Park, which had an amazing Sicilian. Yes, very underrated. Yeah, Gino's is just one example of the many, many places. Don't get me wrong, the pizzerias in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, all the five boroughs, everybody has great pizza. You know, everybody has great pizza, but if you under the impression that you're not going to find a good regular slice or a good Sicilian slice or a good specialty slice on Long Island, you're wrong. So when you opened in 76, was it just a New York slice and a grandma? 
Yeah, it was a, no, it wasn't even a grandma yet. The grandma hadn't really appeared here to the late 80s, early 90s. Um, it was regular in Sicilian. Just regular Sicilian and the pizzeria, I know you guys can't see, but it's the, where we're sitting right now, it's the size of, it wasn't even that back seating area, it was just this corner. Oh, very small. I mean, yeah. typical New York. Yes. Well, you think you get more space out here in the suburbs, but no. Yeah, no. Not when it comes to uh, commercial real estate. And when you're doing these slices, in, like in Chicago, you know, you do cheese, pepperoni, sausage, and sausage is always bulk sausage, raw, you know, crumbled, pinched and pressed. What are the typical flavors for a New York slice and a Sicilian in this part of Long Island? This part of Long Island. For a regular Sicilian, I mean, it's pepperoni, sausage, meatballs. Um, veggie, we do a lot of veggies. And when you say sausage, just to clarify, are you talking about sausage that's been sliced from a link into coin shapes or raw sausage pinched and pressed onto the pie? By the slice, we do sliced by the link. And then if you want, by the pie, we offer the customer the option to either get crumbled or sliced, okay. whatever you prefer. But we, we like to do the sliced by the slice. Reason being is that you don't want to put a raw piece of sausage on top of a slice. By the time it heats up, the slice is either going to be burnt and the sausage might not be cooked. So we like to get a head start and start cooking the sausage and then slice it and then finish baking it. Once you reheat that slice, you get that you know even balance of cooking. And is the pepperoni always the cup and char or has that come back into fashion? We use Etzo, Ezo? Yeah, Ezo out of Columbus. Yeah, so they have a great product, but we've always used the smaller ones, the cup and char. We've always done that. And then for the Sicilian, I noticed I just had a vodka slice, by the way, which was delicious. Um, is that has that been around a long time? Or again, a Sicilian typically would be just either a cheese or pepperoni? No, it's been around a long time. It's been around a long time. It's been around the same time since we started uh, making the rounds. We've always made the Sicilians. Okay, so the grandmas came late 80s and 90s. Yes. And again, those are, oh, I see Broccoli Rob over there. Yeah, that's a very popular thing. And uh, we do a lot of Broccoli Rob with the cherry peppers on top, Broccoli Rob and sausage. I don't know if it's just a Long Island thing, but uh, I, I don't notice as much of that going on in the city or even in other states. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just saw it at Philomena's in Queens. He does a Broccoli Rob. He does Broccoli Rob. Yeah, Dave's, he's great, man. He's doing amazing things over there. So we'll take a quick break. We're going to keep talking with Giovanni here in a second. Um, and we're going to talk more specifically about how he makes or how they make these fantastic grandmas and Sicilians. Uh, we're also going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in a couple of weeks. So stay with us. Pizza City is brought to you by Pizza Master Ovens. You love the sound of dough being transformed into crust. But what about the dough in your pocket? If you make pizzas for a living, then you know a fully loaded oven affects heat recovery time and makes everything take longer. That affects your bottom line. Say hello to Pizza Master, the most powerful electric oven on the market. It has clay ceramic hearthstones crafted with a rough surface, providing superior heat transfer. That means crispy crust every time. And talk about precision, you can adjust both the top and bottom heating elements to make any style of pizza, which is what Rich Labriola was looking for at his namesake restaurant in Chicago. We had limited space in our downtown restaurant. We needed to do two distinct styles of pizza, deep dish, thin crust, and those two styles had different temperature, different settings, and we don't have a large footprint. What we looked for was an oven that could do both, and with Pizza Master you could stack three to four high, and you could have different temperature settings for each oven. Final thing was too, since I'm a bread guy, is that they do offer uh, steam injections in their decks, and so we bake bread also. Plus the ability to get up to 932 degrees combined with exceptional recovery heat allows for high capacity output during peak times. That's money in your pocket. 
They've got 85 different sizes, more than 1,500 models, and a million oven combinations. They've also got demo kitchens all over the country, so go take one for a test drive. Visit mpmfoodequipment.com and use the promo code PIZZACITY to get a free swag bag at your demo. That's mpmfoodequipment.com and request your test bake or demo today. Welcome back, everybody. Talking with Giovanni Cesarano here, uh, the owner, family uh, at King Umberto in Elmont, New York City, New York uh, in Long Island. Um, so let's talk about this grandma that's been on the menu here since the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, very, I think it's different than what Umberto's is doing a mile and a half away. The thing that I noticed over there, first of all, they do they do homework mozzarella, but the mozzarella looks like shards of fettuccine, the way it's sliced, quite thick. They put that on first on the dough. Um, they ferment for about a day and a half. And then it just dollops of sauce, which has some fresh garlic and basil. Tell me what you guys are doing here and begin with, with your dough. Well, the dough is also fermented for about a day, day and a half. Sometimes it extends to 48 hours, depending on the you know, production. Um, yeah, we use a combination of whole milk and parched skim mozzarella. By the way, are you particular about a type of flour? No. No, um, an all-purpose mixed with a strong bread flour, 50-50 blend. Um, you know, there's many great flour, pro- great flour products on the market right now that you can use. Um, hydration's about 60%, 61%. Uh, the only pre-ferment that we use for our grandma is called a pat ferment. It's basically old dough mixed in with the new dough. Um, with that being said, the mozzarella's uh, whole milk and part skim. Uh, we do like a, we cut it like 75-25 more on the whole milk side just no reason just the taste we like the taste better um, our sauce uh, we prefer to use nothing against Italian tomatoes but right now we really like the California we really like the way they move uh, they taste right now um, a plum California tomato um, you know, a lot of guys in Chicago use them because they say lower in acid because the climate's not quite as hot as Italy and they think it's better on digestion the lower acid does that make sense to you the California tomato yeah, it does make sense. I don't know if it's necessarily true, but I think that does make sense. It's also, you know, you got that sweeter flavor. And then our grandma's sauce also has garlic, it has basil, a little salt, pepper, a little extra virgin olive oil. And again, you're building it cheese first and then sauce? Of course, yeah. Okay. Cheese first, then sauce. Do, do people call that an upside down here or no? No. Okay. So I heard upside down at L&B for some reason. Uh, yeah, L&B does the Sicilian upside down, which... The thing is with the grandma, you could see the cheese and the sauce on top. You could see like an equal balance of both. I think with the upside down, you see primarily the sauce is the major component that you're looking at. That's why. But there is cheese, but it's you know it's been smothered by sauce. That's basically what a deep dish construction is in Chicago. You can you can't really see the cheese beneath all that sauce, but it's a full layer of cheese underneath sitting on the dough. Did you finish it with any oregano or pecorino? Oregano. No no pecorino, no parmesan for the grandma. You could always put that on after if you like. And then um, baked until, do you, do you specify like well done or do people specify how they want it baked? I think by now people know that if you're going to come get a grandma here, it's going to be thin, it's going to be on the crispier side. Um, we don't specify it. No, if you prefer it like cooked, we have no problem making it for you that way. Um, but you want to see that undercarriage that has those little craters and those little divots in it, right? Correct, yeah. Those are the characteristics of a grandma pie. There's nothing to it, really. It's just a really thin and crispy dough with a nice flavorful sauce and cheese, you know. It, it's not like Neapolitan where they say, oh, you got to use uh, San Marzano tomato or you have to use bufala mozzarella or for the Campania and so on and so on. 
there's no rules behind that grandma pizza. I think it just comes down to how you like to make it, the flavor components that you like, and the style of pizza you like. Over here at King Umberto's in particular, we like to make it that way. That's how we started making it. We don't think there's a reason to change. Um, we feel our customers appreciate it that way as well. Sicilian, a little bit different, obviously higher, um, but boy, it, it, it ate very light considering how high it was. Um, that's got to be a result of the fermentation or the hydration, right? Both. Yeah, so our Sicilian dough is a little bit more of uh, higher on the water side and it's a little bit longer ferment. It's 48 hour ferment instead of just a 24 hour ferment. But the same dough? Same dough. Okay. Same dough, different formula. I mean, well, that's not the same dough at that point. Same flour, I meant to say, just a different formula using the same flours. Built kind of the same way or no? In terms of uh, sauce, cheese, cheese sauce? It's par-baked with a, a scarce amount of sauce on it. So we par-bake our Sicilians for about, I want to say, you know, seven, eight minutes until it gets that brownish hueish on the bottom. We take them out, we let them settle, then we finish with cheese and sauce on top. And then when you finish it in the oven, do you take it out of the pan and bake it on the hearth? No, that we do with the grandma, not with us Sicilian. I mean, it depends. If you, like, for example, on Friday nights, we're doing a lot of volume, the oven is cold, you can only crank it up so much until it starts to burn the top. If it's not necessarily baking the broth, yeah, it's, 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 you should take it out and get it a little crunch underneath. But very, you know, we, we, we do that only on busy days. It's not a technique that we do like every day, like this is scene that we have in our showcase right now. It wasn't done that way. No. We haven't talked about the New York slice at all. We have to sort of give a nod to the, the classic. Is it, is it 18 inch in diameter? Um, different dough than your the square ones, right? Same dough as the grandma. Oh, fermentation time? Same same fermentation time as well. Um, and then typical toppings. I think you got chicken over here on something. Yeah, I do. Uh, buffalo chicken. We got chicken marsala. Uh, we have chicken bacon ranch for the slice showcase. Um, do people ask for ranch on the side of pizzas here? Not a lot of people. No. I don't get that at all. We do have a couple of requests for it, but not a lot. No. So if you're coming to King Umberto, you got to get what? The Metro pizza. The one thing we didn't even talk about. <laughs> Tell me. Uh, we've been getting a lot of notoriety for our Roman style. It's a new dough that we introduced about two and a half years ago. It's an elongated crust. It's about three feet long. Um, that's got an extended fermentation. It goes up to 80% hydration. It's made with a combination of a double zero and a single zero flour. Um, the toppings include, you know, Bianco di Napoli, organic tomatoes. We're using uh, pecoraro mozzarella, the Fiore del Latte product. So it's like uh, the best of everything we're trying to make on this pizza. As far as the flavor that you get from the dough, and even though the toppings are very simple, we like to you know use the best of the best, use the quality ingredients. So it, it makes a difference. The Romans like crispy pizza. It's got to be crunchy. I learned this from Bonchi. Um, they go crazy with the toppings, obviously, but they really want that like 72-hour or so fermentation. Um, but that's an altaglio where you tell them what you want to cut. You're doing it all metro, basically the, the, by the meter. Yes, it's not being cooked in a pan. It's going on the, directly on the deck of the oven. So you get the crispy bottom. You get the crispy bottom and a nice chew in the middle. Um, I don't see that anywhere. Where the hell is that? It's actually in uh, our showcase 
to the left. Uh, I think you might have missed it. Okay. But I can, right. you have a few minutes. We can make one for we'll, you right now. We'll figure that out after the taping. Yes, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. Okay. Um, all right. Listen, listen, final question. Uh, we ask all of our guests on the show, uh, knowing what you know now about pizza making, which you know, you've been, you know, since you were 15 years old, I don't know how old you are now, but you're not a teenager anymore. Um, what would you have told your younger self or what would you tell young people here working in the ovens about how to be successful um, making pizza? You know, just put your heart into it. Uh, if you're going to do something, do it with passion. Just always provide the customer with the best possible quality you can and the best possible service, and the rest will take care of itself. Great advice. The restaurant again is called King Umberto here in Elmont, New York, on Long Island. Come out and see Giovanni and his crew out here. Giovanni, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. I appreciate, I appreciate you stopping by. It means a lot to us. Thank you. All right, coming up in two weeks, the pride of Portland, Oregon, that is, a serious bread baker who got into pizza and is now one of the country's most respected dough gurus. If you want to make great dough, crust. Um, it's about uh, extending out the fermentation. Long fermentations give you not only more flavor, but they also affect the texture. I'll chat with Brian Spangler in the hills of Montana, I'll explain, and learn more about how he started a Pizza Shoals. That's in two weeks on May 14th. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and rate us, please. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and our website is PizzaCityUSA.com. Our weekly tours restart Memorial Day weekend, so check it out. Pay us a visit for tours every weekend. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song, and just a reminder, stay safe, everybody. Masks and distancing until we get herd immunity. Get vaccinated. I did. Thanks for listening, everybody, and here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio always. <laughs>